I'm having a good time. You are? Yeah. I can tell. And we are rolling Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Terrible happy talks. Um, should we do this? Yes, we shall. We've got pizza coming, so we'll get a pizza delivery midway. Oh, fabulous. I love pizza. I do too. Yeah. Notice how I had to spell it out in front of my daughter? Yes, and then yeah. you completely gave up and started saying it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I just I give up easy. I'm a bad. <laughs> Today's guest is the enigmatic and powerful Kai Marta. Kai is back on the show to join me on this very special V-Day, a day that nurtures love, kindness, education, awareness, and celebrates diversity. Kai joined me all the way back on episode 15, which feels like a lifetime ago. Kai is an Indonesian singer and songwriter. Kai's family fled Indonesia in 1998 to avoid ongoing political and civil unrest. Kai is a passionate advocate for human rights equity and equality. She uses her music to tell stories and foster empathy. She regards her personal achievements as releasing an album, touring the USA and being the only openly out LGBTQ plus musician in Indonesia. Kai is kind with her words, playful with her delivery, yet powerful with her message. She supports and mentors young people and gives her time freely to education. I don't believe in coincidence anymore. I originally stumbled across Kai on social media. I reached out, we communicated, we immediately gelled. I got her on the podcast and now I consider Kai a good friend. A kindred spirit, if you will. Her influence on the community I function in has been profound. Last year, Kai and I worked together to raise awareness, support young people and their families in regards to LGBTQ plus rights and responsibilities via an integrated Free To Be Me high school wellbeing program. Since then, Kai has continued to support the development of support groups and provide mentorship. Today, on this Valentine's Day 2020, Kai joins me to talk love, what's been happening in her life since the last time she was on the podcast, her experiences, challenges, and hopes for the future. Kai Mata, welcome. Thank you so very much for having me again, Shannon. It's a pleasure. Oh, I'm so stoked you're back on and like, wow, what a week. How's your week been? Full throttle. It has, yeah? Yes. Like, I've got a bit of an understanding, but just give us, give the listeners and I like a rundown of your last week. What oh, I mean, I mean, last week, let's just focus on yesterday. Okay, yeah. Yes, yesterday I got up at 5.30 and was at your school speaking by nine uh, and then was still there until around 3.30 where I performed. I was on panels. I was in workshops and then I had a show. And where was that at? In Obud, yes. And it was good. It was a really great Valentine's Day show that was quite queer inclusive. That's how I marketed it. Okay. And as well as for people that were single and ready to mingle. Oh, right. Like a, um, like a speed dating type vibe or just a... I mean, it was just, you know, have fun, don't be cheesy, no candlelight, like yeah. romantic dinner in that regards. But it was a very important cause for me to also raise money for... HIV prevention in Bali. Oh, wow. So we had a r- little raffle going on, which was amazing. People actually bought raffle tickets, and the grand prize was a bottle of wine and a date, date. with me. I know. I've I seen that. Yes. I've seen the ad for that. Yes. And some other guy who was an ex-model. Yes. And yes. Australian ex-model oh, Jeff Dam. Really? Yes. Is he, like, super hot? Uh, he's got a little salt and pepper, a little silver fox going on now. So. Has he? Yeah. Yeah. He's okay. someone's type. Really? Does um that's so cool. And so like did uh did you have to go on a date with someone? Did, yes. So you did like did they have a choice between you and him? Um no, he was the second prize winner, Jeff, and I was the first prize winner. So Jeff's date was this lovely handsome man. Yeah. Who not only won the second prize, which was a bottle of wine and a date with him, but also the third prize, which was a round of Shots. Oh, so nice. this one man had a lot of liquor. Nice. Yes. So it got like it got loose. Yeah. A little bit. Yes. That's cool. In the Obud fashion, where you're loose at 10 p.m. and then 
sound ordinance happens, so you have to head home. Go home and make sure you're up for your 6 a.m. yoga class. Of course. Of course yeah. And your green juice. Yeah. So, you know what? Like, I put shit on people from Ubud and Ubudians, mm-hmm. but I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm probably one of them. You are. I, thank you. You are. In, in the best I'll, way I'll, you know, possible. I'm going to own that. I'm going to own it. Yes. <laughs> I get up early. I meditate, stretch, breathe. I do all that. Try to eat well. You want to take care of yourself. I know. I do. As but, a, yeah. And as well as taking care of yourself, you also take care of everyone around you. There you go. There you go again with your wisdom. Wisdom beyond your years, Kai. You haven't changed since last episode. Yeah, <laughs> You're so I've gotten wise. a little older. <laughs> Honestly, you're like a you're like a Buddha. So wise. Thank you. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> you are like I said it to you the last time, and and then some of our mutual friends we talk about it. Like I was talking to, uh, do you know a guy called Brett Hendricks? Yes. Yeah, like we were talking about you. He loves you, and he's like, she's like in her early twenties. Actually, we want to. I want to clarify your age. You don't have to do it on the mic, but um, and he's like. I feel like I need to go to her for advice, even though she's way younger than me. I'm like, so do I, dude. But I really don't believe in age anyway. Nor do I. Uh, do you? Um, you sure? I, I kind of do, but like, I think it's, it's a measure of time, but it's never a measure of experience or understanding or knowledge. See, there you go again with the wisdom. You're right. I agree. It's so true. And, and you articulated it perfectly. Thank you. I like... I think that all the time, like, because I just had my last birthday uh, a month ago. Yes, you did. I did. And I turned 43, you know, and back when I was in my 20s, I was like, oh, man, when I'm in my 40s, that's it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. But I actually feel like I'm just getting started. It's really strange. And I physically, I feel stronger and better than I ever have. Um, yeah. So, and more inspired. So, that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, fuck age. Like, I want to be doing what I'm doing when I'm 80. And I think I can do it. I believe in you. Thank you, Kai. Let's go knuckle, knuckle fist yes. bump. Legend, thank you. Yeah, anyway, so I'm glad we talked about age, but do you want to tell us how old you are? You don't have to. I am 22 years old. See, I was right. Me and Kylie were talking I mean, about Kylie, I heard, and Kylie was, thought I was 20, 21, and then you said between 22 and 25. And it was like a minute long segment where you two were discussing my age, which I thought was a really funny yeah. thing to listen to. Yeah. We're trying to size you up. Yes. We're trying to like, yeah. But listen, um, what did you think of Kylie's episode? I thought it was beautiful. I teared up. Did you? Yes. Why? Her experience resonates with me as someone who is also in the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. And then also hearing her say that she felt inspired now to take responsibility as an educator to bring support systems into schools for minority groups, such as the one we both belong in, was, it just struck a chord in my heart and made me feel really elated that I could have an impact on someone and then also to see what she's doing with that inspiration that she felt from me. Yeah. She's putting it into action. She is. But I, here's another way to look at it too. Like, like you sort of almost seem, like you seem really, um, I guess, enriched by that. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good market to motivate you. But I also think like you really seem to me to be someone that is really living their truth and... Sometimes you don't know who's watching you, mm-hmm. you know, and then then these things grow out of that, of you, you know, being on your path and doing what is right for you. Um, and that's when I think a lot of good stuff like that occurs, when you, some, uh, you get an educator like Kylie who effectively is in contact with thousands of people, young people who turn into our, you know, adults. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and she's getting in their head and because of you. I mean, and you get into people's heads through your music and your however, other mediums that you use. So it's cool. Yes, it is, it is seeing the reactions of my actions. It's seeing the cause and effect, and that's beautiful. It's, it's motivating. Yeah, I get it, man. I get it. So, um, yeah, so you've, you had a busy day yesterday mm-hmm. and... Um, like I said, I had you on the show back in episode 15. It's now, you'll be episode 42, I reckon. Yeah. And um, I'm just like, 
it seems like forever ago, but like it's only really about six or seven months ago. So, but it does feel like a lifetime. It feels like so long ago. But like, so what's been going on? Have you been staying in Bali or moving around? Or? I've been moving around a lot. Been slowly growing in my career as a musician, and and also having people request me to speak at different events about topics such as LGBTQ plus rights, which is a breath of fresh air because it's been three years of putting all this effort into it and it being such a grind and receiving such great pushback that now it feels like I am now being sought after. And it's only, actually, it's only because I'm the only choice that they have in this country at the moment to speak about these topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but now at least they want to hear. So Some the, people at least. These public speaking gigs, mm-hmm. are, it's kind of a new thing. It's kind of just like you said, it's just started to really sort of ramp up. Yeah, even music gigs. I used mm. to have to really push my way through doors to be like, give me a chance. And now it seems like people have seen that and are wanting me to give them a chance for me to play, for me to speak. It's, it's a beautiful thing to feel in demand, to feel like I am sought after, especially when it's about something like LGBTQ plus rights. So yeah. I'm quite grateful it's it's very very inspiring to me and it keeps me feeling like i can't stop and i don't want to yeah i got you like and um is like are your music gigs still really ticking over you're getting more and more yes more and more and also the opportunity to travel and go to different places and also not only that but speak on behalf of festivals Okay. Which I think is incredible that they think that I am influential enough or what that I can speak. What do you mean speak on behalf of festivals? Like one of them that's coming up is actually sending me for their media launch and their press conferences. Okay. Right. Amazing. So you're representing that particular festival. Like uh, music or a festival. part of them, yeah. That's amazing. Yes. You are a good public speaker. Thank you. Yes. I know. I'm full of compliments, but I mean it. Like, and uh, I mean, I, again... I don't want to talk about age, but, like, I, I could never speak publicly like you do. It's taken me years to really gain that confidence. Um, and speaking of confidence, like, when you were young as a kid, like, did your parents try to nurture your self-confidence, do you think? or Yes and no. It's a, it's a fine line. I think um, coming from an Asian-American background, there is a stereotype of tiger parents, which... I never had to an extreme extent. My parents never looked over my shoulder to make sure that my homework was correct. Um, But there was always a sense that I could do better, that I could continuously be better. And I think for some people, that would make them feel like they're not enough. But for me, maybe over time, I learned to have that be something that fed my desire and ambition. Yeah, right. So for me, I think it worked out. Yeah, like you just mentioned tiger parents. Mm-hmm. Um, Which you must deal with in, in the school system. Yeah, uh, yes and no. Not so much here in Bali. Uh, I did deal with it uh, back in Australia. And I do get it. I think it's really born from, um, you know, this desire to make sure your kids are going to be okay, you know. and But um, I, th- I do think it's a very traditional way of parenting, that, that mindset. Yes. So... I'm going to lead into the next question. And I don't know if we talked about it on the last episode, but because you have parents that are from that, it sounds like that tradition, semi-traditional mindset. Semi. Were they, how, how were they in regards to you coming out? They were the most supportive okay. that they could That's have what been I was getting as to. Indonesians. I am so grateful. It is an experience that I have not heard from any other Indonesian person. Really? Yes. That's amazing. I, I told them when I had my, my first girlfriend and we were, we'd have been together for around four months and I said, I'm in a relationship. She's a lovely person. And my parents wrote back and said, as long as you're happy, we're happy. Oh, so cool. And I didn't need them to say anything else. Hmm. That's big. Yeah, and it's, it's, really, it's really lovely to hear. It is. It's a, it's a privilege, even though it should be a right. And yeah. it's, it's weird to feel lucky about something that I want to be just so normal. Yeah. Um, but in that regard, it, it has made me recognize my privilege. 
in this country to live here, to have accepting family, and to know that they will support me and the love I have. Man, like I'm, I'm just, I'm in awe of that. And because, because especially, like I said, um, you know, when, when you have people, I guess, maybe in your parents' generation mm-hmm. that um, are facing traditional stereotypes as well. Yeah. Um, it, it really says that, it shows that they are, they are growth, growth mindset thinkers and progressive thinkers, which now that I get to like know you, I, that's why you are how you are maybe. And then and not only that, I do have to recognize that this privilege I have of accepting Indonesian family came from the tragedy of the 1998 riots and all of the turbulence my parents and my grandparents faced in the eyes of adversity in Indonesia. For those who don't know, Indonesia has a long history of discrimination against Chinese ethnic people. Even though my family has been here for five, six generations, we only speak Indonesian. We have been viewed as less than, and there has been genocides, there have been a lot of Injustices that have ha- injustices that have happened to us as an ethnic group, and in that regard, that is the reason why my parents can be so open-minded because we were sent to the U.S. to escape political unrest, and we stayed there. And I owe that as the reason why my family is so accepting, and why I don't feel a lot of shame for this when a lot of Indonesians do. It is a privilege born out of tragedy, and it's it's weird to have to respect that and to think about that in the grand scale. It's really interesting, Kai, because one of my recent guests, whose name is also Kai, mm-hmm. Kai Paul, um, he went to a school in Jakarta, yes. international school, and I think it was the same as yours. Yes, it was. And he tells me he told a story about having to flee. He had to, he, he couldn't graduate from high school because one day they were just like get to the airport mm-hmm. and they all like, literally just dragged out of school um, in their last week of, of high school and they had to get on a plane and you know, it was like it was like full on chaos at the airport, everyone trying to flee the country to get away from to get out, away from the riots and, and the civil unrest and ooh, hear the thunder? Yes. How good is that? Amazing for you because you're at home. <laughs> I know you gotta ride your motorbike in Yes. <laughs> and okay, no distractions, but our lovely pizza delivery person has just dropped off two pizzas for us. Thank you, Jay. Because we are on a date. Yes. Supported by my wife. Uh, that's always good. Yeah. Consent. Consent is a real thing. It, it's also very important. It is. Yes. Would you like a piece of pizza? I think I would. Um, okay, I consent to you having one. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I needed your permission. Weird? Is that two Valentine's day No, that was a little bit like patriarchal where oh. I needed your permission for the I gotcha. pizza. You're right, I was. I stand corrected. Thank you, Kai. This is why I need you. I need you to keep me like on track with my political correctness and my ego. And we're breaking off pizza. Here we go. This is the first on the podcast. Thank you, Jade. How are you? <laughs> She's got a mouthful of pizza and she doesn't she can't speak. Where yeah. were we? We were talking about some like pretty serious stuff and yes. then we sort of went into then the pizza turned up. But um I, I definitely feel Again, I keep reflecting on my own experiences and my own childhood and I, um, I felt like I had some challenges. Thank you. And, and, and we've got mosquito spray. Thank you, Jade. What a caregiver. Thank She's you. a caregiver. She's had a very caregiving day. Mm-hmm. Can I quickly tell the story about what happened to our son today? Please do. So random. You know, as parents, we've got a little, you know, we, you try to protect your children. Playing around, he's playing around the pool, you know. What's the main concern there? Don't drown, mm-hmm. right? But there's like a, a grate that um, that they use for the pool filter and it's in the ground. Anyway, the sun had been shining on it directly all morning and it got – this grate got so hot that it literally turned into like a hot plate on a barbecue. And seriously, and then the little guy, he's like just – he's 18 months old – sort of, you know, walks walks on it and, like, decides he wants to try and stand on this grate, stands on it, and we just watch him and his little face just 
had this look like we've never seen before. And his little feet are burning. And he literally scorched his feet and we had to rush him to the hospital. Who would have thought? Exactly. He's okay. But God damn, it was hard as a parent to watch him in that much pain. Yeah. I bet it was. Do you cry? Um, no, I just really stressed out. Uh, Jay, did you cry? She's shaking her head. She doesn't cry. She's crying. You're okay. It's okay to cry. She's going to cry later. Oh, okay. On your own time. <laughs> when you're not busy taking care of three lives. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Taking three, care of three lives. Thanks, Jade. Appreciate that. Mm. Okay, so yeah, like going back to what we're talking about, the civil unrest, like I talk about, sometimes think about my childhood and growing up and ha- I thought I had some hardships. But then, wow, like when I hear the hardships that occurred for you and other people who grew up in Indonesia, it's it's just, yeah, it's very different and very humbling. Well, I the thing is I never recognised it. My parents never talk about it. My parents quite normalise it. Same with my grandparents. They... I didn't realize the severity of what had happened to an ethnic group I belonged to until I came back mm. and was an adult. And for me, I, I don't think I experienced what a lot of people did, especially because we had the ability to leave. Um, and that ability to have that choice is what drove me to also have the choice to come back. But I, I love, excuse me, on a mouthful of pizza. <laughs> this is a podcast first, Kai. Yes. Having pizza on the podcast. Thank you. This is a lovely date. Like it feels like, it, it's starting to feel like a date. Yeah, we've got a batik setting the mood. We have a nice lamp. Uh, the lamp, I, I was wondering if you'd notice the lamp. That's, that, that didn't just happen. No, and then the, the nice touch of your wife being the one to deliver the pizza. I know. I know. Perfect. That's great. Yes. And that's what I wanted. And that's why I wanted you on as the Valentine, because it's Valentine's Day. Yes. And um, I really wanted you to be on the show because, you know, Valentine's, <clears throat> it is a good time to start thinking about, like, love and kindness and nurturing. And then there's also, we celebrate V-Day, which is um, uh, a day to recognise um, <coughs> violence against women and girls. And um, and the the challenges and the inequities and the inequality that's occurred over the years. Uh, so I just really, yeah, it really resonated with me when when uh, I had the idea to have you on as as a Valentine's Day special. So you, yeah, thanks for being on. Thanks for being accepting of that. She's got a mouthful of pizza. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, I love love. You love love. I love the idea of. People being able to love. So I'm happy to be the special guest. Yeah, cool. You love, I, lo- I like that you love love. So you, like, you like being in love. I like being in love. I like learning about it. I like experiencing it. I like taking a step back and seeing it from afar. Yeah. It is a magical thing to see love blossom. It is whimsical and wonder-filled in a way that has no words to really explain it. Have you had your heart broken? Of course. And how would you describe that? That is... <laughs> too deep? Too hard? No, to no, no, no. We can do this. We can do this. To feel heartbreak is to recognize that love did exist. It is to realize that as deep as the pain is, was as high as that love felt. And heartbreak, that doesn't mean it doesn't feel bad. It feels awful. It does. Especially when we commit and we let ourselves not fall, but fly. And then fall into heartbreak. Mm. And in heartbreak, I have allowed myself to feel pain, I have allowed myself to cry, I have allowed myself to pity myself for a little bit, and then it's time to recognize that I am here, I am alive, and I can still continue to love not only other people, but myself. Yeah, it's true, I agree. 
There are a lot of people out there who've had their heart broken and the pain of it is just too much for them to make themselves vulnerable again. Do you, mm-hmm. Have you ever met anyone like that? I think we're all like that. Yeah, I in, mean... In different phases of our whole life and our whole journeys. Survival mechanism. Mm. There was a time to put our walls up and a time to open up our hearts. Yeah. And it's, it's recognizing when to do what that I think is what we all try to navigate on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and like when you say day-to-day, I love that. And I say this a lot. Um, There was a time in my life where I was really lost, confused, um, anxious, Mm -hmm. and just felt overwhelmed by life. And then I adopted this philosophy of just taking one day at a time and breaking it down into increments. Like, I just have to live this one day the best I can and that's all I have to do. And then when it gets really chaotic, you can even break that one day into a little, I just have to live this one hour the best I can live it. You know? mm-hmm. And now I think my life is probably as hectic as it'll ever be. You know, I've got full-time job, two little kids, um, other stuff going on. Such as this podcast. The podcast, yeah. Which um, is just pure joy and passion for me. I, I, like, I, it is. It keeps me busy, I, but I don't see it as work. And I know you understand that concept with what you do, you know. It doesn't feel like work, but it does consume my time and add to stress in other areas at times. Definitely. But I guess I've never felt more inner contentment than I have now because of that philosophy that you mentioned of just the living one day at a time and not trying to think too much. What do you think? <laughs> Good question. Um, I do chunk everything on a day-to-day basis. I, um, I am pretty well known for an organized calendar and for having to-do lists and tasks, and, but also having my year mapped out. And it's a mixture of both that I think allows me to hold myself accountable for the ambitions I want to achieve what I'm doing to go closer to them, and also how I am managing that. And when I can see it laid out in front of me on a piece of paper, it feels a lot more tangible. It feels a lot more manageable rather than it swarming around in my mind. My mind is a beautiful cacophony. It is an orchestra. And sometimes without a conductor of a pen, it can get a little swarming and be a mess, but... We just need someone to hold time and guide and direct, which is a mixture of being able to have things feel a little more tangible for me and also realizing that everything that's in my mind can be guided by my heart. Yeah, nice. But on a practical level, you said that, you know, you organize your thinking into schedules, mm-hmm. and, which I love. Like, there's, I really believe in that as well. I mean, just to just to just because you're surrendering to life and going with the flow doesn't mean you can't be organized and and work hard. You exactly. Know? Um, it doesn't mean being lazy. So, like on a, like on a practical level, like how do you physically organize yourself? Like, give us some ideas, like techniques you use. Like, do you write to do lists or do you have a Google Calendar? Like, what's what's your preferred go to? I have digital media on my calendar listed out. I write everything I'm doing. I plan my day the night before, so when I wake up, I don't have to think about what I'm going to do, because that would be the easiest way for me to procrastinate. And I try to map out on the first, or before the next month starts, on what I need to accomplish or what I want to, and also prioritize them. Yeah, nice. I love that you do it the night before. Because then, then it helps you, like, with your sleep as well. Exactly. Then you're not, like, laying there going, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. It's just like, no, nah, yeah. I've, I've organized that. That's all good. Don't have to worry. Yes. So then the first task I have to do isn't to think about what I'm supposed to do for the rest of the day. I can start. Nice. Yeah. Love that. It's good. Um, and you, you just mentioned, like, you said you've got some ambitions, goals, mm-hmm. objectives. Like, do you mind sharing what your current ambitions and goals are for the next short-term period or or longer term for the rest of the year okay well um i recorded my second album did you in the month of january so it's done it's it's in post-production oh wow yes which is exciting 
and there's a lot of preparation to make sure that I can have the most impactful launch and reach the right audiences and deliver a message in which I feel I can stand by, not just now, but I can for my lifetime because things are permanent. Yeah. That's so cool. Yes. So, like, how would you describe it? Like, obviously you're proud of it Mm -hmm. if it's in post-production, like you're ready to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that the songs are impactful? I think so. Here's a question. Sorry, are they more more militant? What do you mean by that? Well, I guess, like, really... I'm not saying that you push a strong agenda in your music, Mm -hmm. which is completely awesome, in my opinion, but are you... Trying to get into in into in people's faces more than you did on your last album. Um, my last album. The, okay, so I have one Pride song a year that I would say is a song that can stand alone, and when you hear it, you know what my message is. And most of the other songs are more of a story gotcha. about the emotions that I feel and how I feel like other people can connect to them. Right. So this album has an array of songs. The oldest song on there I wrote when I was 16. Nice. And the newest song on there is a fresh song from the middle of January of this year. Wow. Yes. Cool. So you were holding on to that song from like from when you wrote it when you were 16 years old that, that Yeah. Yeah. Just ready waiting for the right time and refining it and it had not even refining it as an editing. It was just I felt like there was a strong pull to represent something from my past okay. and how I felt before to show growth. This is an album that develops. I was really pushed sonically by my producer, Joel Mangi to try different sounds, to push the barriers of a typical quirky folk song, which is what I kind of fall into and what my last album really focused on. And to explore different ways to further express the emotions that the lyrics write about in a way that can be felt through the rhythms and the melodies. Sounds epic. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you. Where did you record it? Primarily in Bali? All of it was in Bali. Cool. And with your producer, so what's his name? Joel Menke. Cool. Hi, Joel. Hi, Joel. Yes. I don't know you, but that sounds awesome. Yes. Uh, he's from L.A. Cool. Yes. And he, like, he divides his time between LA and Bali? No, he had one month here. Cool. And we recorded an album in, we, had, we spent 10 days recording. Wow. Yes. So cool. And is he someone that, like, why, why do you like working with him? He was my drum teacher when I was eight years old. He taught me Japanese taiko drums when I was eight years old for a semester at school. And we performed within that semester, and then that was all. And then two years ago, I was recording my first album in a village studio with Indonesian Rizal Abdul Hadi. And Rizal had hired a session musician to play trumpets and mandolin on my album. And when I met him, we started speaking, the session musician and I, and we realized we were from the same place in L.A., and it turned out he was my taiko drum teacher from when I was eight. How's that for a reconnection? Exactly. And ever since then, we played in the U.S. together at festivals. And he's been here. He stayed in my place with me. And we've, we're now working on an album together. It's amazing. Yeah. That's a cool story. Thank you. And like you need, I think it must be, I mean, I'm not a musician, but I can imagine how important it is to have a, a, a positive dynamic with someone in mm-hmm. those situations, especially when things are getting a bit tricky or a bit hard or there's a creative, there's some sort of creative, um, you know, discussion that's in, occurring. In any situation, it's always beneficial to have people that can relate and connect and communicate in a way that is productive and effective yeah. at achieving their goal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't agree more. Commun- I mean, communication's a big one. But then, you know, have you ever met someone, and, and your producer might be this guy, but you meet some people who you just are on the same page immediately mm-hmm. and intuitively you know what they're thinking. And um, 
yeah, like, and they're the people, and like, I've met a few people like that in my life, like, and uh, they're the people I, I, I want to gravitate towards, the ones that we just don't, we can sometimes not even say anything, and we know we can communicate that way and go, oh, yeah, I know you're, I know what you're, where you're at. And in a way, I kind of feel like that with you sometimes. I do too. Yeah. I remember the first time we met was on your podcast, <laughs> and we spoke for five hours after that. I know, it was great. And it's like, that was on the Bali rooftop. It was. Oh, that's the best location. Gorgeous sunset. When, when I have you on a third time, Kai. Yes. Which there will be. There will. We'll do it up there. Okay. Maybe we'll have like a combined show where we get you, Athron, maybe Leanna Rachel. Ooh. Who else? The musician Phil. alums. Yeah, all the musicians. And we'll just call it the Muso episode. Yes. Bali Musos. Yes. On the Bali rooftop. Don't steal that idea, Athron, if you hear this. God. I'm excited to make this Damn happen. It. It's going to happen. Soon. Yes. I love it. Anyway, listen, it is the Valentine's Day special. Yes. So I don't often write questions out. Okay. Like, and I've actually started a new thing where I'm starting to not research my guests. Ooh. I, 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 like, to know, I like to know a little bit about them, like, you know, but I don't want to know too much about them mm-hmm. because I find then when I speak to them, like, I kind of want to be surprised at the things they're telling me like, yeah. and learn with the listener. Yeah. As opposed to, and then I, I don't think I'm, a, I don't feel like a journalist. I don't want to be like, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a media guy. I'm just a guy that wants to have a chat. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, this episode, I've got a bit of a theme. Yes. All right. It's Valentine's Day. I'm going to ask you some serious questions about love. Okay. And all that. And I made a Spotify playlist. Okay. Are you ready? Have you heard of the Bangles? Are you way too young? Yes, they walk like an Egyptian. Yes, you're not a complete rookie. No. Do you like this song? This is called Eternal Flame. Yes. This is the cheesiest love song and I love it. <laughs> hey, listen, I've got a whole playlist of this stuff. Is this how we're doing it? We're not going to put the music over? over this is how we're doing it, guys. Oh. This is how I roll. Okay. Right? I don't have a sound engineer and all that stuff. And then I don't have time to go and lay the music over. No. Right? Even though it's probably easy. I don't have time to teach myself. I'm okay. done. I'm done learning. All right. I'm For now. Out. For now. I'll get. It. I'm just kidding. I'm always trying to learn. So, Kai. Yes. Do you want to change songs or? Yes. Let's pick up the tempo. All right. Okay. I got another one for you. Here it comes. Are you ready? Okay. I hope this doesn't creep you out. Are you ready? Like this one? Yes. But when I okay, pick the artist. Go. Yeah, if you don't know, I understand. I, I he, know. I it was like my parents' love. era. I'm still just Barry White. Barry White. I was, I was, I was confused and distracted with. Don't get too creeped out. <laughs> here it comes. I love this song. God, I love this song. Okay, are you ready? So here are my Valentine's Day questions. Okay, are we Is doing the music distracting you? Should a I turn bit. down? Uh, okay. Are we doing it with the music in the background? Is that okay? I need music in the background. No? Alright, is this monetized? <laughs> no, it's not monetized. You might get demonetized in the future. Oh, really? Right, like, do you think Barry White will come and try and ask for royalties? Not him, but his, his either BMI or his other... His, okay, yeah. well, maybe okay. we'll edit it out. I'll put it in the distant background. How's that? Sorry. I'm ready Logistics Logistics They can lawyer up That's what I reckon Lawyer up People who want to get me for this Using this track I'm just kidding (laughs) Anyway No Here we go Valentine's Day question Um, What do you look for in a partner? Is this And this is a date now Like this is official date awkwardness So am I supposed to describe you? If you Hey If you want I I get it I get it Okay Uh, Yes Shannon (laughs) I would not want to break up your family. <laughs> Thank you, Kai. But I will kidnap your children. <laughs> Please don't. They're all I've got. I'll babysit them. You can babysit them. Oh, fabulous. Okay. Actually, you know what? Man, I'll tell you. Having kids, don't take that decision lightly, anyone out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love them. It's hardcore, though. Anyway, so, so, what, so I, what, what, do, what do you look for in a partner? What Describe your for? ultimate partner. You know I, what, I'm going to turn the music off. It's, yeah. it's giving me the shits. Okay. Bye, Barry. Okay. What do I look for in a partner? I love to see someone 
as they grow in themselves and to see them talk about their ambitions, but not just talk about them, but execute them mm. and try and fail and not feel limited in that. It's okay to be scared of failure, but to not let that completely make us freeze. Um, I love people with an international background because they can then understand more so my experiences and I can understand theirs. And a sense of understanding that our perspectives aren't on the only ones and that we are all individuals with our own little biomes that we have, even in our family scape. So in that sense, the understanding that we can see through someone else's eyes and be a little more empathetic. I think that is something that is a gem to find in any human, let alone a partner. So true. I love it. I do. I love it. I thought you were going to say things like, oh, they've got to have a sense of humour. They like long walks along the beach. Yes. They like going to Noosa Lombongan. Ah. I know that about you. Yes. Through Instagram. You like going to Noosa Lombongan. I've been twice. Oh, is that all? Yes. Do you love it there? Yes. Kind of? It's a beautiful place. <laughs> Sorry, the look on your face when you said that. I don't know. Okay, see? Don't believe everything you would see on my social media. I thought you loved Noosa Lombongan. I was last there for a show. Oh, did you play there? Yes. How was it? Good, at the Sandy Bay Beach Club. I know it. Yes. Is it good? Yes. Yeah, nice. Is that how you do most of your travelling? Like you don't actually go for a holiday, you just go and play some gigs with a holiday thrown in? Everything I do is a mixture of work and pleasure. Yeah. And that is how I live my life and I like it for now. Mm. I don't know how sustainable it is in the long term. Yeah. Um, but for now, I can manage as someone who is in my young 20s. Yeah. It's like um, Athron, who's a past guest, fellow musician. He's in Japan at the moment, in mm -hmm. Niseko, like the best ski zone in the world. And, you know, like he's playing gigs at the bar on the ski slopes in the afternoons, snowboards all day. Yeah. I'm just like, man, I went wrong somewhere in life. No, you went right. Thank you, Kai. No, I did. I did go right. I'm just joking. It's been, yes. it's been a big week. A lot's, yes. a lot's happened this week. Um, okay. So that's really nice that you look for those things in a partner. Yeah. Again, I mean, if I reflect on what I look for, look for in a partner is, I mean, I think communication is like so crucial um, and just being as transparent with your thoughts and feelings as oh, possible. Oh, that, that's a given. Um, if you're, if you're I, I really feel like if you're, you know, keeping anything and holding any, anything back, um, it becomes like an infection in a relationship that just grows and spreads. Definitely. Mm. So communication is key. And, I mean, I think you hear a lot of couples always arguing because of communication issues. Like, oh, you didn't tell me this and you said you were going to be home at 6 p.m. but you got home at 7. Mm -hmm. You didn't – you told me you were going to take the trash out and you didn't. Yeah. You're a bad husband. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, that's, Is this that, personal? No, this just happened today. Okay. okay. No, I'm just kidding. No, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I'm very lucky to have my wife. I am. I'm so happy on Valentine's Day. Okay. So, um, so you look for that in a partner. Now, if you oh, – I don't know if I should ask this question. It might be a little bit like – I don't know. Ask. I don't want to offend you. Ask. Who would be your celebrity hookup? Is this is this too is this too much? Oh, I have never thought of that. I, I have no like idea. you don't have to answer it. I have I, no idea. I'm just trying to think of date questions, like awkward date questions. Is this an awkward date question? Well, if I, I mean, I haven't been on a date for probably 14 years. True story. Okay. I, I, I guess that's the kind of stuff I'd be asking. Really? Well, maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I miss the whole Tinder generation. Yeah. Okay. So. Um. <laughs> Yes. Okay. You are forgiven for this this awkward question. I don't know. I'm not really big into the hookup culture. I would want to marry. I would want to marry okay. a celebrity. Celebrity you'd marry. Oh, Casey Musgraves. She's a country singer. Oh, yes. really? Yes. So you like you like? I mean, I know you're a bit of a folk singer. Mm -hmm. yeah, even though you don't like to, I'm not putting you in that yeah. genre. Um, but you do enjoy country music. I do, and she is very witty in her lyricism and is very modern in the way she approaches country, and it was quite a big influence in my song So Hard okay. with the play on words and the double entendres. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, so from that aspect, I really enjoy her music. But I do love country. I love Appalachian folk. I play the banjo. So, you I know. 
I love that you play the banjo. Of course. It's the best. Yes. When I was 15 in Indonesia, a sophomore in Jakarta, my goal was to start a banjo revolution. <laughs> I've, I've never heard of that before. Like, who else would think of that? Uh, me. And it was... Why? I, why, the, why the banjo? There is something so captivatingly charming about it. it is, it's a vibrancy that cannot be missed. It is so distinct and it is so vocal in the way it resonates that it cuts through everything in a way that is punchy and calls for attention, which I think is kind of how I am regarded as by some people. <laughs> what, punchy and calling for attention? Yes. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Definitely. Rad. Yes. <laughs> so the banjo. Um, yeah. Okay. I, and I, like I said, I think I kind of love the banjo because I kind of feel like it, for some reason it reminds me of Australian music. It's got something uniquely to me. Mm-hmm. It just conjures ideas of the Australian countryside. I don't know why. That's like, interesting. I, I, I can't even, I mean, there probably is a good reason for it, but... I just, uh, yeah, when I actually seen a photo of you with a banjo standing by a tree that looked like an Australian eucalypt tree, a gum mm-hmm. tree, and, you know, you're Indonesian and you had a beautiful pride flag around your waist, but then you had your baseball cap on backwards. Yes. And it's just like there was, it was so, there was so much going on in that photo and so many little contrasts and details that just all just made it work. Mm-hmm. Like, and I just... I don't know, it just ticked a lot of boxes for me and just put the biggest smile on my face because I was like, this is a girl that just doesn't, like she just is herself as much as you can be yourself. Anyway, yeah, that's a rad photo. Thank you. Anyway, I went off on a tangent, but yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, and that's about it in terms of the awkward date questions. Oh, is that all? But Actually, I want to go back, the banjo revolution. Yes. So how'd that go? Did you, did you cause a revolt? I mean, it's very hard to get a banjo into this country, is all I know. Why? Um, get damaged in customs? Import taxes, things like oh, that. Oh, how the import taxes? It's a luxury good. Things are, things are fun to get into Indonesia. Um, other than that, though, it hasn't grown as much as I'd want it to yet, but I still have hope. Even right. though it's not my primary instrument I play now, I still have hope. You still have hope? Yes. <laughs> Can we go on a practical level again? Why is it hard to get goods into Indonesia? Because the reason I ask is I just got some Mm -hmm. T-shirts imported and I had to pay like a tax at the post office. Yes. And the tax was almost as much as the Mm T-shirts. What's up with that? Is that normal? Kind of. Yeah. I guess the question is if you can get something that is already produced here, why get it from somewhere else? True. But I, I wanted these things because they were the the yeah well actually no I'm, I'm not going to plug my t-shirts too much but they were made in a renewably um, certified factory from 100% organic cotton and it was the only only company that I could find that that really produced ethical fashion and clothing how I was envisioning it mm-hmm. so that was why but yeah I guess maybe that's why they put the taxes on hey yeah high taxes. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's a learning curve for me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, Valentine's Day, we're having pizza, there's lightning in the background, there's thunder, um, and, you know, I've asked you a few awkward questions, and I guess, like I, like I said, I really wanted to catch up with you, and um, and I sort of I love the fact that you're about to release an album and, yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff, but, like, after, like, speaking at the V-Day festival the other day and then playing a gig and what came, what what sort of, I guess the question I want to ask is like what came out of that day for you as a guest speaker at a, at a day that is um, raising awareness about violence against women and girls? What it showed me was quite a plethora of things. First of all, that most of us fight each other. I I witnessed some arguments happening about whether or not it should be an event that happens at school and whether or not it's the right message. And I think it's because people of the male population felt attacked. 
people of the women, female population felt unheard, ultimately we are all fighting for the same thing. And it is the semantics that got in the way of that message. And the weird thing was seeing how amazing the students were about it and hearing how poignant children could be. And by children, I mean they're in their teens. Compared to parents bickering. So you've seen more immaturity on the adult side? Yes. This sense of strong, strong strong-willed stubbornness and not saying that their points weren't valid, it was how can we communicate them in a way that will lead to what the solution we want, which is all to be respected, for no one to be violated, and for all of us to be able to be who we are. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you feel, though, that men on that day, some who have that opinion, like are their opinion? Do you, do you feel their opinions are valid for feeling like they're being... Um, what was the word you used? Called out or... Attacked? No. Attacked, yeah. Um, Is it valid? I, this was my first time at this event. Mm-hmm. And I, if they feel that way, it's definitely valid. I think the thing from then on, as a woman who does want to solve violence and issues of violence, is we need men to be on our page too. And if we yell at them and fight them, we don't have the intentions to make them feel attacked because most people in the world are great people. There are a few bad ones, and they really wreck the system. And we all make small blunders that add to toxic systems and toxic culture. And it's recognizing that a lot of us don't have malice. We just have ignorance. And how can we communicate that in a way that won't lead to them being defensive? Because if they are, we're fighting the wrong battle. We won't get anywhere. It's, it's the idea of us being able to talk at a commonality and to link up in that area so that we can all move forward as a society rather than try to force parts of our society to change because it, change only happens when someone wants to. I agree. And I also believe that change happens and sometimes for it to happen, you have to, be, you have to make people uncomfortable. You do. And it's, it's making people feel uncomfortable but not making people feel like they are personally blamed for it. Yes, or, or like segregated and isolated. It's, it's tricky. Yeah, that's um, that, and I agree with what you're saying, and I, I heard a lot of those discussions as well, like this year and last year. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went through a minute of like, oh, wow, you know, this is so disappointing that some people are taking that approach that, uh, they don't like the day or they feel like it's putting men down, things like that. But then I'm like, what? sometimes like any discussion is good discussion. Like at least they're talking. Yeah. Okay. And if they're talking, they're learning mm-hmm. or they're picking up something that they didn't know. Okay. And if they're challenged, okay, even better. Mm-hmm. So that's what came out of it for me. It's cool. I, I like that. Thanks. Well, for, for me, another thing is as someone that went to international school, my school's slogan was best for the world. And now that I have had time away from that school, my thought is how can we be best for the world if we are not best for the world within? And my thought is, especially in a school environment where people are coming of age, I want to make sure that each student is good with themselves, in their hearts, with their identities, before trying to solve world issues. Because they're not going to get anywhere unless they feel rooted in who they are and what their identity is. It's oh, great. And it's like, I think I s- there is a, a really good quote. And it's like, if you want to change the world, you have to start from within. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It's true. Yeah. And um, I guess uh, we get very caught up in what other people are doing. But I think we all just need to worry about what we're doing as an individual. Definitely. And, and, you know, that's how it actually happens. Exactly. Yeah, let other people be. Let them do what they're doing. You, mm-hmm. just, you just worry about what you're doing. In fact, I've got a good mate of mine in Australia. He's like, he's like a traditional Australian like trade, tradesman. He's a carpenter and he's always mm. on, on job sites, with construction sites with men. And Yeah, he told me about a time he, he questioned his boss and his boss yelled at him and said, you just worry about what you're doing. And he said it was like a really profound moment for him. And he, now he uses that. It's like his life mantra. Like when things are going bad, he just says to himself, you just worry about what you're doing. Like, and it's, it's so simple but so true. 
Yeah. Anyway. How you feeling? Good. How about you? I'm good. I'm yeah? good. Yeah. I um, I just looked at the time. Like, it's been epic already. It's been, like, almost an hour. Wow. And, like, I don't know where that hour went. So just disappeared. It just disappeared. Like, how are you feeling? You, are you sick of talking to me? Never. But you must be a little bit. Come on. No, I I've can been, always I've talk to you. I've been asking you all these shit questions and trying to, like, make out like it's a date. Only two shit questions. I, okay. <laughs> I played Barry White for you. You don't know who Barry White is. Ask your parents if they know who Barry White is. I will. And they might say, hey, you were conceived to a Barry White song. I reckon there were a lot of people can see. I'm serious. Have you heard his album's music? It's like he's got like the most like sexy voice in the world apparently. Ah, objectively. Objectively. But it's like smooth and, you know, he just talks about like, you know, lovemaking <laughs> Segway, do you have any other awkward questions for me? No, no, that's as awkward as I'm going to get I'm, I'm going to stop with the awkwardness Yeah? Yeah Anyway, um, now, listen, Kai We talked about this and it's okay if you haven't A new thing I'm doing with the podcast is they ask every guest to come with a cause that they want to support or advocate for mm-hmm. um, And... We've been so hectic, like our schedules have been absolutely mental this week and we've been trying to get this pod, like do this podcast, you know, for the last week and I'm really glad we could try and we were getting it done on Valentine's Day. That was the plan, but we really had to bend over backwards to make yeah. that happen. Um, and I, I didn't really prep you for it as much as I would have liked to, but I, I hate to put you on the spot, but is there any like specific like causes, charities, uh, social enterprises that you would like to specifically advocate for and uh, maybe give us a link that I can put on your um, show notes, which will then follow your episode across all the platforms via the TerribleHappyTalks.com website where you can choose your preferred platform of iTunes, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts and TuneIn Radio. So, So, what do you got? I would like to give a special thank you to Arus Palangi. Arus Palangi means um, Rainbow Federation. And this is Indonesia's primary source of LGBTQ plus advocacy. It is a group that works with people who have faced discrimination and need legal work, as well as working with advocating for legislation to change regarding issues from condom use to how gender topics are breached and discussed. Um, They need funding, they need support, um, and they're doing great work with the local Indonesian community, especially considering Jakarta was 2019's worst city to be LGBTQ+. Right. Wow. So I just had a thought, like, what, I mean, can you maybe enlighten us a little bit just to give us the full understanding mm-hmm. of the situation in regards to the laws that are currently in place um, in terms of um, consent, sexual orientation, mm-hmm. um, yeah, or, or um, gender identification oh, okay. as well. I don't know if you know those things, but what knowledge do you have of the, the current laws? Indonesia is a beautiful country in which there is so much antiquated legislation. The most important thing isn't what is written in the rules, it is how it's implemented. And that is so dependent on the government, not just on a national scale, but then local. In, in Indonesian law, it is not illegal to be gay, Though there are two areas in Indonesia where it is and can lead to lashings, public lashings, because they are under Sharia. Um, but there is no protection for people who identify in the LGBTQ plus community. Ever since I became very vocal and, be, and came out in the public sphere, I am regularly sent messages and cries of help from young Indonesian children 13 to 17, scared that they 
will never be able to be who they are. And if they ever are discovered to like women as a woman, that they're afraid their parents are going to kill them. They're afraid that they're going to be kicked out. They're afraid they're going to be shunned. They are afraid for their lives. And that is the most terrifying thing to hear, especially because in my position, they ask for help. They ask if I know parents that could adopt them. And I don't have a solution. That is the most frightening place for me to be in, is to not feel like I can solve their problems and the problems that we face as a community. Okay. It's heavy. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's heavy. Yeah. Mm. And like, wow. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. And uh, I think, again, the more we can share and, and, and improve understanding of situations, uh, it's, it's the way forward. Mm-hmm. And thank you. I know it, it mustn't be easy sometimes. And I'm um, very grateful for your honesty and openness with these, with these things. And... On, a, on another note, for tolerating my, my stupidity tonight on yeah. the podcast. This is probably the most <laughs> silly I've ever been on the podcast. Probably. I'm trying to be serious here, you know. I'm trying to be a serious guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, with all my stupid Valentine stuff. Um, yeah, okay. Well, is there anything else you want to add, Kai? You, I, I think you've said a lot of amazing things, but is there anything else you want to finish on? Anything else you want to plug? You got any gigs coming up? I know you got your album or you're pretty pretty comfortable with all that. I am just always here to listen. Anyone wants to speak to me, you can send me a message at Kaimata Music on Instagram or on Facebook, and I will answer within five hours. It's a guarantee, and I will be there to listen, to talk, or just tell you that you're supported and loved. That's great. That's all people need. They need to connect. They need a, they they need avenues for connection. And they need people to know. Or they need to know people will be there to give them that and yeah. to have that assurance that it's there. Because sometimes it's really scary to reach out. For sure, it is. And and some people actually don't know how to go about it. Like I know it sounds simple, but they don't actually. They wouldn't know how to even. Let's say it's a DM. Mm-hmm. Okay. They might not even know how to start that DM. Like, exactly. Like, I know it sounds really silly, but it, I don't think it is. I think it's like they wouldn't know how to write a message of that kind because they've never had to. Exactly. Um, you know, so it's like just start. Just do something. Hi. Mm-hmm. Hi. I'm struggling. Hi. I need, I need to ask you a question. I think all those things are good way, good conversation starters. Like, yeah. Just... And that's, it couldn't be that simple to get the conversation going, okay? And it could provide profound healing and, um, and provide profound clarity, you know, mm-hmm. and, re- and pull you out of that place of isolation because isolation is a very dangerous place to be. If you're, if you're feeling isolated in your head or in general, okay, it's, it's reach-out time, you know. Definitely. Yep. Kai, Legendary. Listen, I'm not quite done though. Okay. Now, because like since you've been on the podcast back in episode 15 and I really do uh, recommend everyone has a listen to that episode, Kai and I got to sit on the beautiful Bali rooftop watching the sun go down. Kai played two amazing songs on that podcast. She played Good Morning Beautiful and So Hard, um, two, hour, two songs off her album, which is called Not Free To Be... No, no, no. I know the name of this album. Because we listened to the car all the time. I just can't remember the actual name of the album. What is it again? Time to Shine. Time to Shine. I knew this. I'm so sorry. Dementia is real for me. Um, yeah, so she played two songs and um, please have a listen. And I think you'll Kai goes much deeper into, into her journey and her story growing up. And um, Kai, since then, you know, I'm, I'm really developing the podcast. I'm trying to develop the podcast really slowly given my schedule. And I have a goal to give guests... A gift, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and eventually I wanted to progress into I want to give every guest a, like a T-shirt, okay, or something from the show as, a, as like a souvenir. Mm-hmm. But at the moment I'm, I've got a sticker for you and that sticker is only reserved for people who have been on the show and it's the THT Circle logo. Let me get it out of my bag of tricks. Hang on. Somewhere. 
Don't worry. We can we can edit. We can edit. It's a quick cut. <laughs> All right. So I have got the THT Circle logo sticker. And it's only for alumni. So if you see someone else with this sticker, it means they've been a guest on the show. And um, yeah, it's humble, but no one else has these stickers Ooh. except alumni. But with you, you've been on twice. Yes. So you get two. Oh, wow. There you go. And I haven't, I haven't been able to give them to you. So thank you I know so it's very only a much. Sticker, but, it means know, the world. I hope, I hope um, you stick it somewhere strategic. It is the small symbols that can make a huge difference in someone's life. Oh, God. You're doing it again. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like every word that comes out of your mouth, it's like a meme or a quote that I could just like seriously like use to guide my life. I mean that as a compliment. Thank you. I'm not being sarcastic. Looking, I know you're not. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. And actually, I'll give you another stick up. Just my terrible Happy Talks stick awesome. up. I like stickers. Anyway. All right, Kai. Well, it's been an epic week. Yes. Thank you for having me on your podcast again, yep. Shannon. And, and happy Valentine's Day. Yes. And happy Valentine's Day to my wife, Jade. I love you. I there love you, you too, Jade. <laughs> I love you, Kai. I love you, Shannon. Thank okay. you. Let's go. See ya. Yes. <laughs> Hey, so before we kick off the podcast, I just want to talk about getting your morning kick in Belmont Coffee. Belmont is owned by skaters, barbers, tradies, and musicians. They came together with the idea of creating a co-pilot that's next to you on the late night drives, early mornings on the job site, or a midday pick-me-up. Ethically sourced beans in a sustainable can and ready to go when you are. Use the code THT to score a discount at belmont.com. That's Belmont, B-E-L-L-M-O-T-T dot com.